Hello everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK science fiction, fantasy and horror podcast. Episode 518, taped on Tuesday the 2nd of January 2024 at 23.53 Thirty. Ah, more squinting at my screen. And welcome to another episode. The first episode of 2025. I have to keep on reminding myself that it is 2024. Well, I suppose the thing then to do is to say Happy New Year to everyone. Yes, New Year's greetings from... Figor and I and the real family at Castle Royenstein. <coughs> we are trying to make the best of our new year. It has been a bit difficult. The whole family has been sick and we're all exhausted. And to cap it all, my father went into hospital for surgery on Friday. He is out now. He returned on New Year's Eve. He's not feeling very well. And because of the sickness and recovery and all that stuff that we're all going through in some degree, that meant we had diminished appetites. And that in turn meant we didn't start to enjoy our Christmas pudding until New Year's Day. And even the chocolate Yule log remained unmolested until me and mum saw the New Year in with a couple of slices on New Year's Eve with whipped cream, which my mum probably prefers to the cake and would happily eat a bowl of that and not bother with a cake. That's another argument we have. What I'm trying to say then is that the entire household of Castle Reinstein was and is still stressed and tired and everything is a little out of kilter, which comes to my excuse for sloppy podcasting as you're about to find out tonight from the ridiculous number of errors from previous pods that I will have to address and correct. However, I am glad to be talking to you again. Mostly right now, if I was to be honest, for the sheer distraction of it. (sighs) You know what I mean? Something to do to take my mind off things. I did say... On a previous pod, uh, we were so stressed, some of the Christmas presents didn't even get unwrapped. That's true. The family record player (laughs) didn't get unwrapped and assembled until today. And then I found out I didn't have a couple of cables that I needed. So it's all assembled now and I'm looking at it. But I can't actually test it out yet. Ah, more sighing. It says in the show notes, phew. I haven't had a few for quite a while. How does that go? I'm more of a sire. Let's see. 
There's like a few. Uh, anyway, not important. I should warn you at the top of the show that this is not one of my focused reviews of a single topic. Neither is it a revisit of Classic Doctor Who or Hammer House of Horror. Again, single topic shows. No, this is one of my rambling discourses. Mostly science fiction, fantasy and horror, but also some other stuff mixed in. Yeah, there's some rambling and some not strictly relevant stuff here as well. In the past, I would put things like that in the off-topic section, but that is unwieldy because some of the off-topic stuff I want to talk about is literature or movie or film, and then it's weird because I'll talk a lot about some films and TV, then move on to a completely different subject, like, I don't know, a pencil? (laughs) Uh, It's not very geeky. Uh, Well, yeah, and then I'll come back to talking about TV in the off-topic section, because it isn't strictly science fiction, fantasy and horror. It is jarring, so I won't do that. There isn't as much non- science fiction fantasy and horror stuff as there is science fiction fantasy and horror (laughs) gotta stop saying that so stick in there you might find something of interest anyway i'm going to start off with the printed word in this case not a book but a newspaper and that's the observer this is a geek life i suppose follow-up from pod 516, when I was talking about how talking about depressing news is making me miserable, and it's making my listeners, I'm assuming, miserable as well. And what's worse about being glued to the news and then talking about it is that I as a fairly unimportant person have no hope of helping to change anything in any positive way, it's also boring. In any case, what would be the point of listening to me, not an expert, ranting inexpertly about something better covered in the mainstream press? Because my expertise, if you can call it that, well, apart from all the cock-ups in reviewing Doctor Who, The Church on Ruby Road that you're going to hear about later, and other stuff, perhaps not an encyclopedic knowledge of geekdom, but certainly a pretty good one, which is why I have a geek podcast. Yeah, why hear me talking about the other types of non-geek news when my area is geekdom. Oh, that was a lot of excuses as to why I'm not the best geek reviewer as well. Uh, Sounds like a bit of a cuff out. I'm sorry about that. But I've said often enough that I'm more of a casual reviewer. Oh, God, excuses, excuses. Sorry about that. Let's move on. I've even lost the point of what I'm talking about right now. Even though it isn't science fiction, fantasy, and horror, I can barely remember. The Observer. Oh yeah, okay. Hmm. Where was I? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Let's 
just end by saying that I know that this can sometimes be a painful listen because I've been editing and uploading some of my older podcast show notes and I've found some of them to be excruciating. I meant well at the time, but what was I thinking? So if you come across an old show and find me veering away from Heinlein to bang on about some British politician's stupid face, you have my permission to fast forward. Saying that, I'm going to be talking very briefly about politics, but only from the point of view of comedy, you'll find out. The point that I'm coming around to very gradually is that me letting the daily news cycle kill me with stress is not a good thing. So I've gone back to an old habit instilled in Silly Airhead Roy by my parents when I was a lot younger, and it became apparent that my general knowledge was fairly terrible outside of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. It seemed like I knew absolutely nothing. And that is that I plan to get my news only once a week on Sunday from a British newspaper called The Observer, which is only printed on Sunday. It's not the cheapest paper, but it is small price to pay for my sanity, and anything more urgent, like imminent alien invasion, zombie apocalypse, I don't know, Santa Claus goes missing or something, if any of those really important things happen, my phone will sound the government's early warning. So, yeah, that was my roundabout way of telling you that I'm no longer watching the news. I'm getting all my news once a week from The Observer, and hopefully that will stress me out less. Ah, okay, now I'm going to have to take a break, because I'm still stuffy, and it was a bit of a rush job to start this podcast what is it now? 12 and a half minutes ago. Oh, what a fiasco. Uh, one thing to add to my show notes, which is always a bad thing at the last moment. If you're a podcaster and you want to do that, don't do that. Put it in the next show. Don't do what I do. And then I realized when I did that, that I had to reorder the items that I was going to talk about tonight. It was a bit of a mess. Anyway, I'll be back after a short break. Hello there. Yeah, I'm back. Oh, not quite ready to podcast again. I had to hit pause. Have a drink. Okay. Let's talk about some movies. The only movie I'm talking about this week that is of relevance to a geek is Dark Harvest. This is a 2023 horror film, as its title might suggest, based on a best-selling 
novel. I think it's a fairly recent novel. And it concerns rural annual tradition of male teenagers who frenziedly hunt down and kill the dreaded Sawtooth Jack monster to ensure the town's survival. Sawtooth Jack is like a giant scarecrow, pumpkin head and lots of teeth, and he is very dangerous. Dark Harvest is, if you were to compare it to other movies, uh, most obviously Children of the Corn, plus The Purge, plus Rawhead Rex, which I haven't seen other than trailers of, but that did remind me of that. And The Outsiders, as well as, and this is more to do with me, some rather sinister Mauritian folklore from my childhood about how the next year's sugarcane harvest is assured. Which I hope is nonsense, because it makes this film look like play school in comparison. I'm not going to tell you how the sugarcane <laughs> is rumoured to be guaranteed. It is a myth, it is absolute nonsense, but it is an incredibly sinister myth. Perhaps one for a different podcast. Ah, as I've said often enough, I wouldn't mind doing a folklore podcast. Okay, back to Dark Harvest. So, what did I think? Well... There is a cinema booth girl, the love interest. She, in little snatches of dialogue, sounded far too modern. Whereas another character who played the sheriff was doing a very bad imitation of an angry country redneck yokel. The soundtrack was anachronistic. Uh, for the period, as this was supposed to be 1962. That's what I mean by those weird acting choices for that period. Didn't seem quite right. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, I got distracted there. Yeah, the soundtrack. It was the film that is set in 1962, whereas the soundtrack spanned that period both backwards and forwards. So there was stuff before that, and there was stuff after that. And again, harking back to the anachronisms in this, 1962, not 1950s. So why are the bandits a gang in this film? Greasers? That was something from the 1950s, though... Maybe they were being retro, because I've been through every single youth culture fashion look, and that did include the greaser look. Or, at the time, what was the revival called? Grebo? Uh, that was a long time ago. In conclusion, then, this movie, it was Stephen King-like... And this wasn't so cool. It was 
far too predictable within minutes. Within a few minutes, you knew exactly what the twist at the end was. So much so that I'm not even going to spoil it, it's not worth doing. Apart from that, and apart from those quibbles that I've had, I thought it was a mostly okay teen horror, with a few good, gory, pluck kills. That was <laughs> my attempt at onomatopoeia. The creature design, which I've talked about briefly, was good, but I thought it was cartoony rather than scary. What saved the whole film for me, though, were the beautifully filmed opening sequences. However they did that, drones, clever lighting, sound design, across the board, those cornfields were made absolutely captivating. And that's what kept me watching. And by the way, we get this week's title from the last line in the film, Burn It All Down. That seems appropriate for saying goodbye to last year, and hope that this year is better. <coughs> and that is Dark Harvest. As I said, that was the only horror film that we're going to talk about this week. Now I'm going to talk about the last film that I saw since last time. I think it was the last thing that I saw. Well, anyway, earlier today I rewatched a film called Dirty Filthy Love. This is a 2004 Granada TV film made for ITV. In Dirty Filthy Love, architect the protagonist, Mark's ticks and strangely compelling habits, as he calls them. Add to this marriage stress, work stress. All these things combine to send him spiralling into anxiety and depression. Mark is played by Michael Sheen, very effectively, I might add. One thing annoyed me about this movie was that one of the primary characters has a piece of dialogue where she trots out seemingly verbatim straight from the textbook psychological nonsense that has been used on me and that is what have you got to worry about that makes you tick or do some kind of compulsive behavior look if it was that simple I'd be absolutely Jim Dandy. Dirty Filthy Love is, however, a much better portrayal of Tourette's and Obsessive Compulsive Disorder than Edward Norton's Motherless Brooklyn that highly disappointed me back in pod 352. I read that one of the writers of Dirty Filthy Love apparently has OCD themselves, and this whole TV movie somewhat reflects my own late diagnosis of Tourette's back in 2016. It is amazing that some people will wait till adulthood to be diagnosed for 
a condition that was classified more than a hundred years ago. Dirty, filthy love, yeah, recommended, even if you don't have Tourette's syndrome or obsessive-compulsive disorder. It's touching, funny, raw, really quite good, and not at all tragic. That's it for films this week. Let us move on to TV. Okay, I said this was a mixed bag this week. This next thing is a mixed mixed bag of non-geeky and geeky. I think it's geeky. I think it's geeky. Let's talk about this. A Murder at the End of the World. This is a 2023 FX on Hulu mystery slash thriller slash techno thriller with a touch of sci-fi from the makers of the very definitely science fiction The OA. In A Murder at the End of the World, true crime author and punky sleuth slash hacker, daughter of a coroner, becomes embroiled in murderous goings-on at a tech billionaire's retreat in Iceland. This rubbed me the wrong way. For a start, I was already somewhat miffed with the same creative team of Britt Marling and Zal Batmanglige, who were behind the OA, for sabotaging the last episode of the OA a show that I quite liked until then, and then it all went to pot. Secondly, and more importantly, this is clearly another drama influenced by Stig Larsson's Lisbeth Salander, like Salander, the girl with the dragon tattoo, Darby is on the spectrum, and a sexy tattooed hacker, unlike Salander, she is also the skilled amateur detective daughter of a coroner, as well as a successful published author, and is sweetly likeable to boot. That is a lot of stuff. While Lisbeth Salander is just about believable, and her difficulties make her easy to empathise with, Darby has too much talent for one person and is altogether too cloying for my taste. I also did not like her thuggish, inked boyfriend, and the other rich, obnoxious suspects, so the stakes were zero for me as to who did what to who and why. One episode down and none to go, I'm afraid. This wasn't entirely terrible, I hate being just critical about every single thing there was a good bit in this. Uh, yeah, there is a scene near the beginning with a garage door opening, and that made me laugh really hard. Uh, I'll explain that a bit. She has to open one of those garage doors that have a remote, and she does do it. Unfortunately, she also opens every single other door in the entire neighbourhood, risking, of course, discovery. That was very, very funny. It's the too-clever-by-half kind of cock-up that, as an inveterate tinkerer myself, has often happened to me. And I've also talked about those unfortunate incidents in this podcast. It is a comedic situation that every hacker in the world would recognise. 
That was one touch of very funny realism. And that's uh, Murder at the End of the World. Not without its good points, but not really for me either. Let's move on to For All Mankind, and then I'm going to have to take another break because my mouth is getting so dry. Yes, Season 4 of the Alternative History Space Race Science Fiction Show is back in full swing, and I'm still watching. This one's got me thinking a bit about how an alternate history that has veered so far from our own history could be believable, and I think the reason for that is they start with both our histories parallel, and then slowly they diverge. And by the time you realise how far they've diverged, you've bought into the entire premise. It's very clever. Anyway, For All Mankind, Season 4, we're at the Millennium. Al Gore is president. Yeah, didn't that happen? And while this imaginary world is not perfect, there are flourishing Moon and Mars bases. All that stuff is really good. I enjoy it. I'm enjoying season four. It does, however, make me sad that in this reality, the one in which I'm talking to you on a mic in the middle of the night and my mouth is getting really dry, we got bogged down into endless war, recession, climate collapse. Thanks, rich people and politicians. And we still don't even have so much as a potting shed on the moon. Oh, I had to go in and correct that again. That's the second time I've done that today. Missed out the determiner the. I did that in a tweet earlier on today, making me sound like I'm from Yorkshire. I'm veering off track again. Where were we? Yeah, for all mankind. We'll get on to that tweet a bit later. Yeah, this reality... Didn't have such a good space race. In the UK, don't we have that... uh, What was it? I was watching a documentary about it. I didn't talk about it in this podcast. Don't we have uh, um, Spaceport Cornwall? And there's Spaceport up in the boonies of northern Scotland? Don't know if any of those rockets are actually sending stuff up there yet. We've got satellite companies, of course, in the UK. But as a whole, the globe has not populated other planets, which is both sad and perhaps a relief that we haven't ruined Mars yet. This show makes you realise that wishful thinking isn't such a bad thing. Yeah, their future isn't perfect. But it's better than ours, and maybe we can make 2024 better as well. That's for all mankind, (laughs) with me verging on the polemic at the end. And now my mouth is crackling and dry, I've really got to take another break. Oh, this is such a long episode. If I don't take a break now, I'm going to muff it up. So, see you in a moment.
Oh, back again, all gooped up, had some green tea and a chocolate muffin. Man, why do they have to make everything chocolate orange? You know, we've got Terry's chocolate orange, but you don't have to put orange into every damn thing. Oh, got a bit of a surprise in the middle of that muffin. Um, right, okay. Done for all mankind. Next, Rick and Morty, just short bit to tell you that I'm up to... Season 7, episode 10, that's the finale. It is uh, the more of a clever sci-fi horror comedy. In the last episode of the season, they end up incepted in a scary hole in a toilet. It's great, it's always great. This might very well be currently the best science fiction show on television. I even bought a Rick and Morty t-shirt for Christmas. I was going to wear it on Christmas Day, and then I was going to wear it on New Year's Day, and then I was going to wear it tonight. I forgot to wear it on each of those days. But I'll do so soon. As Rick and Morty, Season 7, Episode 10. Yeah, Season 7 is finished. I don't know if Rick and Morty is coming. I'm guessing by its uh, monumental and continued success, it will. And continue doing well for that on Swim. Okay, next. Moving on to something else. And that is two episodes from Quinton Blake's Books of Treasures. First, Zagazoo. And second, Jack and Nancy. These are the first two of a series of hand-drawn animated Short 2023 films from Eagle Eye Drama. It is and will be available on iPlayer. <laughs> the two little cartoons are based on the work of a chap called Quinton Blake, a prolific artist and writer of children's books. He also worked as an illustrator for others, including most famously Roald Dahl, I read, uh, I think he illustrated 18 of Roald Dahl's books. The first story, Zagazoo, is about a couple who discover an unusual abandoned baby who they then care for as their own, and the baby turns their lives upside down by changing into a menagerie of endearing but destructive creatures. It is a fantastic, bittersweet metaphor about bringing up a child. The second, Jack and Nancy, is about two children who, after talking to some sailors who every now and then arrive at their town and regale them with adventures of far-off places, they waft out to sea on an umbrella and have adventures on a faraway island. Again, a metaphor, this time about the incredible imaginations of children. Quinton Blake's Box of Treasures, the two that I've seen so far, are sweet fantasies and well-drawn, and I really enjoyed Adrian Lester's narration. It was warm and funny, and I look forward to the rest. But most of all, I really enjoyed listening to Adrian Lester. Man... That guy should do Jack and Ori. Is Jack and Ori still around? 
And that is Quentin Blake's Box of Treasures, Zagazoo, and Quentin Blake's Box of Treasures, Jack and Nancy. Next, Doctor Who, Wild Blue Yonder. Haven't we done this? Oh my god, I had to hit pause again. Sip some more very strong green tea. Ah, oh, I'm all stuffed up. Yeah, okay. Doctor Who, Wild Blue Yonder. Yes, we have done this before. I said in 514 that the long, distant look in the ship's corridor was achieved by deep depth of field. That terminology is very old-school camera. That's Citizen Kane old-school camera work. The reality is that it was probably CGI'd to within an inch of its life. What this tells you is that I was brought up on analog manual cameras and old glass by mum. While I know how old-school photography works, I'm a bit sketchy about digital photography. I mean, I can do it, and I know my way very well around Photoshop graphic design, but I'm not an expert, and on video I know even less, and I know bugger all about CGI, apart from what everyone sees on the making of something, though probably less than you might think, because I try to avoid the making of things because I don't like messing with my suspension of disbelief. So, that's the first error correction today. Next! Doctor Who, The Church on Ruby Road. Fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> Here's some follow-up correcting errors I made in 517. Yes, errors. Adding insult to injury. <laughs> even my attempt at zeitgeist in that episode, before even embarking on the error train, wasn't the spirit of the times, rather, it was the insular spirit of me. Yes, I just talked about myself, which is the opposite of Zeitgeist. I was all over the place that night. As I said at the top of the show, I'm not that well. I'm a bit helter-skelter. Next. Thanks to Janet Fielding's tweet pointing out the wonderfulness of the Master's Rasputin I stand corrected. While I find most, but not all, music in Doctor Who terrible, I did definitely appreciate the master gyrating to Boney M's camp hero pseudo-disco pop in The Power of the Doctor. Further correction. Yes. Buckle up. <laughs> it's going to go in for a while. I said that in Old Who... The TARDIS didn't change that much. Actually, in Old Who, the TARDIS changed quite a lot, as well as it did in New Who. Ah, oh, I wish I could get someone on to talk about all the changes of the TARDIS. I love the TARDIS, but this proves what a casual revisit this is and how wobbly-headed I was from the illness. I said that the TARDIS didn't change that much in Old Who. It does. Ooh. I still haven't finished. And even further correction, as I rewatched the opening of the church on Ruby Road, when I put it on for my mother, uh, let's see, 
on New Year's Eve Eve, Ruby's accent is explained in the script. The reason she has a Manchester accent, well, the real reason is the actress couldn't pull off a London accent, but it is explained that she was brought up in Manchester in the script until her mother had to return to London to look after her grandmother. I do get the feeling, though, I'm not going to let this go. Uh, this was tacked on once it became apparent that Millie Gibson couldn't do Londoner. My constant need for frequent follow-ups to correct errors in previous pods is about all that keeps this show going, so don't knock them too much. <laughs> if I didn't have to do these follow-ups, maybe this show would have run out of steam. Who knows? Okay, let's move on to the Famous Five. Okay, not strictly geek, but detective, so kind of. This is a new 2023 BBC adaptation of Enid Blyton's children's mystery novels. The showrunner is Nicholas Winding Refn, or Winding Refn. A fact which will become ultra-important in a moment. <laughs> As someone who remembers ITV's 70s TV show, read at least Enid Blyton's The Ratatat Mystery, and enjoyed it, and also enjoys the Youth Sleuth Team format, I was looking forward to this. That's not a good beginning, because unfortunately, the moment the mystery got rolling, it rubbed me the wrong way. What really set me off... I don't know whether this was in the original text, was seeing our protagonist, George, poking at the body of a diver on a beach. Not seeing if the person was alive or dead, just poking at it. Then she casually strolls off, meets some other kids, and they return also to ogle the body altogether. And now we come to <laughs> the showrunner, Nicholas Winding Refn. This is a chap who directed Drive, Only God Forgives, The Neon Demon, and others, all of which I have spoken about on this podcast, and all of which would not suggest he'd do a good job with a light show about kid detectives, and he does not. Her tone was just so off. There are some nice sailing scenes and a cute hairy dog, but the lead George has been written annoying, sulky and callous. When she was sailing or talking to the dog, she was great. Otherwise, I didn't like her character at all, and that put me off the show. I'd like to say at this point... Uh, that it's not the actress's fault, but the bizarre way she was written. And just a little warning, if you are now inspired to dig into the Enid Blyton books, the original were occasionally sexist and racist, but luckily for me, the book I read was either absent of that stuff, or I missed it, or was oblivious to it, or those aspects were edited out, because there was a time when the books were sanitised. 
Whereas my memories of reading Charles Hamilton's collected Magnet, a story picture book, like uh, an early comic, while entertaining in retrospect, also makes me shudder. Anyway, that was my chat about 2023 BBC's The Famous Five. Not really for me. And on to something else. Politics. Well, comedy. Yes Minister and the thick of it. I'm a fan of Yes Minister, the BBC 80s political satire about the UK government. It is a light, funny sitcom about fairly important stuff, but doesn't take itself too seriously, and it's easy to watch. I've watched and re-watched Yes Minister many times over the years since its initial broadcast in the 80s, and recently I was hungry for more of the same type of thing, so I decided to give the thick of it a try. I've seen this on iPlayer for ages, and Peter Capaldi is in it. Okay, I'll finally give it a try. It's highly lauded all round by critics. It is Armando Iannucci, the, the guy who did that Stalin film, 2000s comedy based on the Tony Blair government and heavily featuring Malcolm Tucker, played by Peter Capaldi, a vicious parody of Blair's spin doctor, Malcolm Campbell. Although he denies it vociferously and angrily in exactly the same way as his parody character, Michael Tucker, would. In the thick of it, even seeing such terrible characters get their comeuppances doesn't make it any less too close to the bone. It was far too painful to watch, so I'm going to stick to the much lighter Yes Minister. That's Yes Minister and the thick of it. On to more detective stuff. Columbo, and this is just a little fact. It's not a review or anything. I just found it interesting. Did you know that Peter Falk's Columbo was the third incarnation of the character played by two different previous actors? First on television, then on stage in the 1960s. The previous television actor was so different to Peter Falk. He was this burly guy. I mean, he was a bit shabby and he smoked a cigar, but it was nothing like him. The creators of Columbo, Richard Levinson and William Link, said that the rumpled Halkatchum sleuth was influenced by Fyodor Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishments, Pafiri Petrovich and G.K. Chesterton. By the way, the G.K. in G.K. Chesterton stands for Gilbert Keith's. Father Brown. Yeah, Father Brown. If you remember that. Priest and detective. I think at one stage he was played by... Alec Guinness, maybe? Maybe I'm wrong. And later on by the guy who plays... uh, Ron Weasley's dad in Harry Potter. I can't remember the guy's name. Good actor, though. Uh, Yeah, okay, I'm straying a bit. But anyway, yeah, Columbo, played by 
two different people before Peter Falk's iconic portrayal in the long-running TV series. Blake Seven, yep, we're going to talk about that now. No, there is no reboot of Blake Seven in the foreseeable future. We've been down this road many times before in this podcast, talked about it, complained about it, and huffed and puffed. No, this is something different. Today, or rather yesterday, it's now the third, but the second was Blake Seven Day. I don't think there is a Blake Seven Day as such. But anyway, the first episode of Blake Seven, The Way Back, was broadcast on BBC One on Monday the 2nd of January 1978 at 6 in the evening. I believe, though I can't be completely sure, that I saw the first episode, but nevertheless, I think I did. But I watched either most of them or all of them, and oh man, I really love Blake Seven. I'd rush home to see this, I'd be glued to the set. I eventually watched every single episode of Terry Nation's anti-Star Trek. If you look at the logo, it's kind of the Enterprise logo turned on its side to indicate that this is not a utopian future and the Federation in Blake 7 is evil and fascist. I, for years, bought all the magazines via a W.H. Smith subscription. Do you remember those racks at the front of the shop, the white racks, where you'd collect your magazine each week? If, hopefully, W.H. Smith hadn't cocked it up and had bought your issue of whatever you wanted. For me, it was things like Blake 7, and then before that it was 2000 AD. For the longest time it was 2000 AD. Man, we could have bought a car with my magazine and comic subscriptions over the years. I also had some of the books. Eventually I gave up those books, then rebought them within the last few years. I think I've mentioned that in this pod. Oh, I do love Blake Seven. Love the characters. I love Avon. I love Blake. I love Servalan. Okay. I'm wildly attracted. I was wildly attracted to Servalan. But anyway, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm digressing. That's Blake Seven. Long live the glorious rebellion and down with a fascist federation. Uh, those words could be used at any time and any point in history. Okay, straying very, very off topic now to give you an update on my JLab Rewind wireless retro headphones. In 465, I said that these retro Star Lord-ish like headphones with the orange foam, but no wires, the wireless Bluetooth, were worth a punt. I paid very little for them. In retrospect, they are not worth a punt, as they have recently developed a high-pitched whine. My recommendation if you're looking for small 
on-ear headphones or headphones in general or anything to do with audio is analog wired cams are still best. So as far as the JLab Rewind wireless retro headphones, cheap, not as cheap as they were, they are not worth buying. Buy something with wires. Ah, oh, and now I've got to think of what kind of headphones I need for you. Uh, because I've got these giant studio headphones, the DT150 uh, from Bayer Dynamic that I'm wearing right now, but you can hardly wear those in bed or walking around. You'd look ridiculous and it wouldn't be that comfortable. Okay, after show. Let's talk about how I've made such a hash of things. Why so many errors? Well, this is a solo podcast. Fact-checking is onerous, and my time is limited. Of course, I do try always not to make mistakes, which is part of the reason for such detailed show notes. (laughs) People have uh, taken the mickey out of me, but... It's definitely not a script. They are show notes and blog posts or something like that. But that's the reason why I have such enormous show notes. Even so, sometimes, inevitably, I rather make a hash of things. And I apologise for that. Finally, 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 New Year's resolutions. Yeah, I know, I know. Is it worth saying these out loud? Well, look, this year... I have not been too ambitious. In no order, completely unordered, here they are. 1. Relax and get well. Well, you can hear me snuffling a bit, and I'm still not totally well, still a bit faint. It's taking a long time to recover from this flu, or whatever the hell it was. And I could definitely do with relaxing, because as I've said before, I've been told by a lot of people that not relaxing is killing me, and they are right. 2. Re-edit and republish my novel, The Horus Box, and edit and publish a draft anthology of horror short stories that are almost ready to go. Hardly ambitious, all the material is there. Some of it is already edited. Why don't I use this year to get them out? I will do that. Buy a car. That's <laughs> so important and unavoidable that that will happen. It is taking a few months, though. Cars are still too expensive and dealers are still avaricious. Do more canoeing. Yes, I joined a canoeing club last year, and I've hardly been canoeing, and I fell in the lake, and all sorts of other fun things that you've heard about on this pod. I would like to do some more. Motorcycle training. At this age, I underwent my CB training. Or rather, at the age I was last year. Keep on forgetting that it's 2024. I need to finish that motorcycle training so I can ride something bigger or more sensible. And that is related to a later 
resolution. Next, six, move. We have been planning to move for quite some time. We're still here. I don't know how long that's going to take. Hopefully not too long because we're all a bit discombobulated. There's a lot of boxes around and we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> I hope we can sort that out. And that point that was further of the CBT motorcycle training and then the direct training for a full license is related to the next point seven, and that is to go on an exceedingly long road trip because God, I need a holiday. Yes, I have not had a holiday in more than a decade, much more than a decade now. I need a rest. Can you hear that? I need a rest. Eight, finish and back up my blog. Well, okay. <laughs> Since moving from WordPress years ago, I've been slowly transitioning all my content to pure HTML. Some of that content, unfortunately, especially the older show notes, is just plain ASCII text. It's a bit of a pain changing it to HTML. It's not impossible, it's not hard, but it is time-consuming. I like to do that. And I would like to back it up, because all my work, textual work that is available online, is via RoyMatur.com and via my web host. And what happens when I pop my clocks? Well, all that's gone. So I would like to back it all up and also put that on archive.org where my podcast is hosted. Yeah, so you would have a backup of all my textual content. <laughs> that is not a good word, textual. That would be available in perpetuity, or at least until archive.org goes down. Which, hopefully, it won't. Nine. Oh, did I say the last one was point eight? Oh, nine. My ninth resolution. And that is to watch less and read more. And that's already happening. I've watched far less in the past few weeks than I have for ages. I just enjoy sitting around with books and newspapers. That will be reflected in this podcast. You're going to hear more discussion on books and comics. Finally, 10. Meet more people. And by the way, it only worked out 10 by sheer coincidence. Yeah, I wasn't aiming for that. Sorry about that. If you heard a crack, that was my wrist. Yeah, I need to meet more people. You know, I've talked about single stuff and none to do with dating, just meeting people stuff, and I haven't been doing a lot of it. I've been fairly socially isolated, very socially isolated. I need to do more of that. A few of those things will combine to help me do that. The canoeing, the motorcycling, and the taking exceedingly long road trip. All that will help me meet more people. That's a good thing. Those are my New Year's resolutions this year. Not too ambitious? Hopefully achievable? I think they are achievable with a tiny bit of effort. 
They're not exactly stretching me. That is it. If you have any achievable resolutions, let me know what they are. If you have some entertaining, unachievable ones, perhaps unrepeatable ones, also let me know, and I'll see if I can include that on the podcast. That is it for now. I'm going to do the closing bit now. I should tell you, it is even shorter than it was last time. Yeah, I'm streamlining, and I'm streamlining even more. So when I start to wrap this up, it will be really quick. Just warning you ahead of time, if you're thinking of my usual long goodbye, that's not going to happen. Okay, here we go. Let's do the goodbye bit now. Are you prepared? Right. Three, two, one. You can find me, Roy Matur, a writer at RoyMatur.com. Please review, rate, support, and recommend the show to a friend or mortal enemy. The time at the end of the show is... That's a day later. 01-31-35. Thanks for listening. And bye-bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye. Oh, man, that's a lot of tape to edit tomorrow. Oh, can you believe that? When I had that... Second break, I turned my amp back on so I could hear the TV and stereo, and introduced more hiss. And you can also hear the traffic behind me now, so that's great. Ah, oh, what a way to start the year. Look, let's start it positively. We're going to have setbacks this year. Let's ride them out. Let's have a good year. Let's all have a good year. Bye.